1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I want to talk about what's going on in a battle of the behemoths and the future of investing and how this affects you. And also, I want to talk about something else coming up later, how much I despise mandatory arbitration, and how you need to be aware about how you can get burned by it. And before you just click accept on terms and conditions, know how this dirty pool game is played. So I believe a true great American hero was a guy named John Bogle. He's been dead a while he was a, um, a kind of a grouchy guy during his life, but a brilliant man and had a single-minded focus on making investing available to everyday people instead of just to the chosen few elites and very wealthy people. He's the guy who created Vanguard long ago and was looked at as a joke in the investment industry. And he went from being looked at as a joke to the most hated and feared person on Wall Street. Why? Because he broke the cartel of pricing on Wall Street. This guy single-handedly took investing from being something where smaller investors were ripped off every which way they turned. To creating this co op, Vanguard, that was kind of like a credit union for investing, and now is the second largest financial house in the world. Because everything about what they did and do was about the small investor and making investing simple, affordable, and accessible. But I'm talking about him in the past tense, because he's dead, and talking about this great company that he started that now has a bit of a midlife crisis going on. And you've heard me talk about Vanguard being one of my favorite children, along with Fidelity Investments and Schwab, for investing, because these three companies are now the most dominant forces in making investing affordable and accessible to the average person. Even to people that are fairly wealthy over time are going to be served better by these three organizations than you'd ever be served by a full commission stock brokerage company, an insurance company, or a bank. And here's the dilemma for me. There are things... Whenever anybody, I don't know if you know this, there are two companies in America that if you ever say something bad about them, their advocates who are their customers go insane on you, and they will hate on you like you can't believe. So what? One of them is Tesla. The other is Vanguard. So, Bogleheads, right? Bogleheads. They are intense. So here's the scoop. Customer service at Vanguard is not where it needs to be. And it's amazingly poor for a company that is essentially a co-op. for it's customers. That is not supposed to make money on anything they do. It's all supposed to be on a break-even basis plus enough money to pay the staff. And let me tell you, They are getting the biggest black eye because they spent who knows how many zillions of dollars developing a new app. And it's one of the most hated apps for finance out there. It's buggy. It's not easy to use. And you can't figure out how to do anything on the app. And Barron's did a story about it that was really funny, talking about how they have done such a bad job the rating on it is one star. <laughs> I mean, it takes some work for an app to That's get a one-star rating, right? And they were comparing it at Barron's to how Fidelity is everything they're doing is a youth movement. That's why they have the Fidelity Zero funds you've heard me talk about, the where Fidelity loses money to attract younger clients. And this is crazy. According to Barron's, Half of the recent new clients that have signed up at Fidelity are eighteen to thirty-five years old. That's eighteen awesome. to thirty-five. Good. And, you know, historically, people don't even think about investing till they're over forty. But that has changed in the last few years, and I give Robin Hood a lot of the credit for it. Can't give Robin Hood credit for a lot else, but <laughs> Robin Hood made everybody on Wall Street sit up and take notice because Wall Street had always been playing an older person's game. And Robin Hood said, wait a minute, why shouldn't somebody who's in their teens, 20s, 30s, why shouldn't they be investing too? And they upset the apple cart of Wall Street by doing the free stock trading. Um. Robinhood has not run the greatest business in the world, and that's why they've come up from time to time. But I got to call it like it is. And I love Vanguard. I've been a customer of Vanguard for decades, but the customer service has got to become a focus. And the competitors are really tough out there. And you don't want to be the granddad's company. You want to be the grand sons and daughters company, and just like Fidelity is doing. And so get it together, hire people who actually know how to do apps, hire people who know how. I mean, my goodness, I'm a Schwab customer. I'm actually a customer of all three <laughs> to disclose to you. I have Fidelity accounts, Schwab accounts, and Vanguard accounts. And you go on Schwab and you want to do a transaction on the website or the app, it's so easy. It's obvious. Okay, you go on Vanguard site, and I don't care if you're a computer programmer for a living, trying to figure out how to do something, not a chance. Can't even figure out how to navigate the site. Mm-hmm. You go to Fidelity site, you go to Schwab site, it works. So this is a call out to Vanguard. One of my children you're a little errant right now. You're off the path. <laughs> get off the playground. Get but to I work. I still love you. Still love you. <laughs> Frustrated with you. Get the customer service thing together. I mean, people are saying they're having trouble getting to somebody on the phone. Yeah, at Vanguard.
2: You love them. You just don't love their behavior.
1: Yeah, they they um they're going through whatever the equivalent of terrible twos are for an older company. They're there. And if you're going to continue to be the company of the future and not the past, you got to get this together.
2: All right. Let's get to some questions. This is from Diane in Georgia. It is time for me to buy a new iPhone. The one I have is becoming less responsive and definitely slower. I use my phone for taking lots and lots of pictures. I don't need the newest, fanciest iPhone if I can get a very good camera on an older model. If the newer phones have appreciably better cameras, then, uncle, I'll splurge
1: for it. So... I'm going to go to my son for expertise, my son Grant who is everything Apple there is. And when the iPhone 13 came out, he just had to have a 13. He returned it in the period of time he could return it because he had a 12 and there was he said there's dad there's basically no advantage having a 13 over a 12. Why would I spend the money? So that was good. Good for him. It was good. And Apple was very gracious taking it back because he did so. It was in perfect condition. He did so in the return period. I don't know if it's 30 days or whatever it is. But based on the expertise of Grant, a 12 is where it's at because it'll be cheaper. it uh got the 5G, which nobody seems to understand why they want 5G. But... Um, mm-hmm. There's actually good reasons to have 5G. The cameras and the 12 are great. If you go for the uh, the Pro, the cameras are extraordinary. But you're fine with the regular 12 based on my son. And I have to defer to my son on this because, well, I've read in the financial press that people have been panning the 13 anyway. And Apple has had to weight cut back on production of the 13 because people have been underwhelmed by it.
2: What about like an 8 or 10? Those really have
1: good cameras too, right? Well, okay. So if you've been in a phone for a long, long time, the advantages of jumping generations is probably worth it. Unless if money's extremely tight, you're, you're right. And Apple is selling now, they're using a Samsung kind of strategy that they adopted two years ago, where they're now selling phones at, uh, many different price points, which they didn't used to do. So you can look and you can see, but if you really want a great camera, and you said I use my phone for taking lots and lots of pictures, mm-hmm. go for the 12. Um, I'm a I'm an Android guy, so that's why I have to defer to a very opinionated teenager <laughs> to answer your question. This is
2: from Carlotta in Georgia. I'm about to graduate from a private nursing school and have to pay off my balance before I'm allowed to walk. I've sacrificed a lot towards my accomplishment and would like to attend the ceremony. My balance is $5,000. I'm thinking of borrowing from the equity on my home. Do you think this is a wise idea?
1: So, if you're able to work as a nurse without walking and without paying the money back yet, I'd rather you earn out that money, then borrow it against your home. If this is a very important accomplishment in your life, you want the experience, you will also be able to work off that money pretty quickly because nurses are in such extreme demand right now. The pay levels are much higher than they were even six months ago. You'll be able to work off that 5000 pretty quickly. So this is really your call. Um, So I would decide simply and easily based on how important it is to you to be able to walk across that stage. And if it's very important, go ahead and borrow the $5,000. It's your home equity line of credit. But otherwise, uh, just pay it off over the next several months because you may even get a nice signing bonus with a hospital now for going to work for them as a nurse because the nursing shortage is so severe all over the country this is from congratulations to you by the way yes
2: this is from kevin in california i'm going on my honeymoon sometime next year just have no idea when i was thinking about going to the maldives with a three-day stop in dubai that sounds awesome (laughs) i don't want to carry a lot of cash with me on the trip i and also don't i don't look forward to doing the currency exchanges and losing money doing that is there an alternative to this, such as prepaid cards, gift cards in a way? I have a credit card. I have one credit card, a MasterCard from Bank of America.
1: Yeah, uh, that MasterCard is not going to get it done. I want you, you've got plenty of time. If your credit standing's good, I want you to get another credit card, one that specializes in serving international travelers. It will charge you no foreign currency exchange fees or anything like that. Um, having two credit cards when you're traveling, is really valuable. One where you pay no junk fees is going to be the best way for you to pay for travel as you're uh, in Dubai and as you're in the Maldives. So that you've got tons of time to do. Uh, We have a list at Clark.com of the best travel cards, many with no annual fee. There are websites that all they do is review cards. You'll be able to find uh, one or two that you can use instead of using the credit card from Bank of America to go with one that specializes in international travel. If you happen to have an account with Charles Schwab, I was talking about Mm -hmm. them a little bit earlier, they offer, uh, tied in with their accounts, they offer a, uh, (coughs) a debit card. But the debit card allows you to withdraw money from ATMs anywhere in the world fee-free and no foreign currency exchange cost. So you get dollar for full equivalent of whatever currency you're needing to exchange to when you do need walking around money. It's one of the bona fide best deals out there for withdrawing money from an ATM from Charles Schwab. And again... They absorb all the ATM charges on top of it. So, going on that trip, you know, I think about all the things you have to prepare for probably next year too with testing and all the countries that require you be vaccinated in order to travel and all that. And you just have to stay on top of that and see if your flight reservations stay the same. Make sure any accommodations you book in the Maldives or in Dubai, are fully changeable and fully refundable. Don't do any non-refundable bookings because you never know when a country says, no guests now, you're not coming, whatever, you want to protect your money. And speaking of protecting your money and the pandemic, a lot of companies have used the time of the pandemic to take away more rights from you as a consumer. And I'm going to talk about that coming up. So I have had a beef for decades. I've been very, very unhappy about what I call kangaroo court arbitration. Corporate America, after a number of favorable court rulings and failure to act by Congress, has disconnected most employees and most consumers from one of the three branches of government. You no longer in dealings with most companies, regardless of if they commit any act of fraud against you or whatever, you no longer have access to the courts. It's simply by doing business with them, you have forfeited your right to take an action against them, even if their behavior is criminal illegal. As employees, the best estimate is somewhere about 60 million workers now no matter what an employer does to them, no longer have access to the courts. They only have access to arbitration. Why do I call it kangaroo court arbitration? Because whether arbitration is between an individual and a company they do business with or an employee and a company they work for, the companies pick the arbitrators. They pick the panels and the companies win depending on which situation it is, they win between 99 and 99.9% of the time. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like the old Soviet Union? I mean, come on. In what form of justice would one side win virtually 100% of the time, regardless of what the arguments are? And See, here's the economic model that makes arbitration faulty. If I'm an arbitrator who rules in favor of an employee or a consumer, remember the employers are running the arbitration system. I don't get hired again. And there can be good money being an arbitrator. The system is broken fundamentally. I saw an item in the Washington Post that the largest user of arbitration in the United States involving employees is Dollar Tree, parent company of $1.25 Tree and Family Dollar. And this is stunning. They account for this can't be possible. One in three can't be right. That can't possibly be right. I have to be misreading this, that they would be one-third of employer arbitrations in the U.S. That can't be true. Either I misread it or it's not really true. But the point is, they're a big, big player in arbitration. And yeah, a third of all U.S. cases. Mm-hmm. I didn't misread that. No. So, I love you, Dollar Tree. <laughs> I do. But... You know, I I talked on on the podcast about how going in a store and seeing boxes and boxes of merchandise not unboxed, the store is really short of employees, merchandise not on the shelf, there's this disconnect so often with employers that if you treat people well, pay them appropriately, they stay loyal, they don't walk out the door. And they'll put stuff on your shelves that you can sell that will help with your revenue. And so I know that Dollar Tree's been going through a rough time. They've had a lot of trouble integrating successfully family dollar, which they bought several years ago. It's been the long-troubled family dollar. But what's going on here? Why would you force your employees into a system where they know they're going to lose no matter what. I mean, this is not okay. And why am I calling them out? You know how I I did this with Vanguard? I I like to talk about companies that I've said so many good things about. It's really important that I also talk about their Mm warts. And so I want you to know I want you to do better because you'll do better for your customers if you treat your employees better. As for arbitration, I have no problem with voluntary arbitration. If an if a employer and employee both want to go through arbitration, fine. If a customer and a company both want to do arbitration, fine. The arbitrators should be neutral. They should not be working for the employer. The arbitrator should not be paid for by the employer or the company that you have your beef with and if it's made voluntary and the system's made into a real system great because arbitration in theory would be more efficient and potentially more fair where right now it's absolutely not it is a stack deck it is a kangaroo court it's worthy of a banana republic and not worthy of this great republic of ours the United States of America. So I've been talking to the wall about arbitration for as long as you've known me, Krista. And it just gets worse and worse and bigger and bigger. And someday, hopefully, I won't be Don Quixote tilting at windmills. Someday, but, you know, if you're a student of political history, there was a guy who was a senator from... Oregon I think it was Wayne Morse and Wayne Morse always said what he felt was best for the American people and companies would just roll their eyes there he goes again but he was one of my heroes because he never had fear and never showed favor and was always about doing what served America best and America's citizens best and right now it's my feeling that we have a culture in washington that is so tilted towards the money that the big companies give and their ten ears to what's going on and what the american people need from their elected officials so enough sermonizing <laughs> from me let's go to questions
2: Let's do that. Um, Matt in Ohio needs some help. He says, my dad passed away a year ago.
1: I'm really sorry about that, Matt.
2: I've been helping my mom filling out paperwork. At first, I was putting her phone number down, and then I stopped and was using my phone number. Now I get six to 10 calls a day about Medicare. I was rude to them at first. Then I started being nice, thinking if I told them I'm only 32 years old, they would quickly take me off their calling list. How can I get them to stop?
1: You can't, Matt. Um, okay, so I did something really terrible to my wife. When she turned 30 as a gag, I signed her up for AARP long ago. And uh, even though now she's only 31. No, anyway. <laughs> so I signed her up for AARP, even though you're supposed to be 50 to be a member, just as a gag. Paid $5 or $2 or whatever it was back then for her to join AARP. Ever since ever since she gets phone calls and mail Mm. trying to get her to sign up for this Medicare plan or that one or this Advantage plan or that one. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, yes. So uh, it's one of the things that we've never been able to stop Mm. and just keeps on going. If you have a suggestion how you've been able to stop all the solicitations that, that we're talking about here that Matt could have for who knows the rest of his life. At uh, how old was Matt? You he say he's he was 30,
2: thirty-two, what? I think. Yeah, he's 32,
1: thirty-two. So just a little older than Lane was when I.
2: Oh boy. So sorry, Matt.
1: So Matt, it never has stopped, and I don't know exactly how to do it. So if you do have a suggestion how to stop all the solicitations, a way that you know of that's effective, please let us know, and we'll pass that word on to you, Matt. And again, really sorry about the loss of your dad.
2: This one's from Nick in California. I recently got married. Congratulations. We received $45,000 in cash from the wedding, and I also have 80000 in savings. We are currently living in a back apartment behind my grandmother's house. We're not paying rent, and we have no kids, just a fur baby named Kona who's the best. Was, we were wondering, since we were living rent-free, what should we do with this money? I think we should put a down payment on a house and then immediately rent it out and take that money after a couple of years and use it to buy our own house down the road. What do you think is the best idea? We're living in L.A., which is super expensive, so being strategic with this money is my priority. I listen to you every single day.
1: So, uh, Nick, this is a toughie because in the L.A. metro area, it's very hard right now to buy a property and make it a profitable rental property. I mean, over time, you'd be fine. But in the short term, it's uh, not a good economic model because generally you want to be able to get rent equal to 1% of the purchase price, 1% uh, per month, what the purchase price is of the property. And the odds of being able to do that in Southern California right now, extremely low. Um, The cost of construction in Southern California is so high It's one of the reasons it's hard to find affordable apartments because landlords-to-be only want to build very, very high-end apartments that they can charge top-dollar rents for. And so the affordable area is just kind of a hole in the market because of how expensive buying a home is. Um, I would think of other things, and it's always where I go back to, is what are you doing to save for long term you could use some of this money to put in uh, Roth IRA doing so at a young age is fantastic for you it would build long-term wealth for you that is tax-free wealth if either of you have retirement plans where you work putting money in those would be valuable but if your ultimate goal is to own a house for yourself I want you to continue to build up resources for it and Having a rental property is a whole different game, and this isn't the time to do it. The time that real estate investors who want to buy and hold real estate as rental properties get engaged in this is when there's softness in the housing market, not necessarily a bust, but when there's softness in a housing market, not when a housing market is ultra expensive like it is right now.
2: And this is from John in Georgia. Is instantcheckmate.com a legitimate service? I want to check an individual's history and character.
1: So uh, it's funny you ask about that, John, because we did a review on this not too long ago, along with several other background checking services. And we have the pluses and minuses of Instant Checkmate, as well as several of their competitors. One of the advantages of Instant Checkmate is if you're just after uh, checking the history or background of a single individual. They don't give you a free check. They don't say you can do three free checks, whatever. But they have a free look period where after, I think it's five or seven days, you become a subscriber of the service at a pretty high cost per quarter or per year. But you would be able to do the check on that one individual. and Any others you suddenly became curious about, during the free look period for the, for the service, and then you could discontinue it. But you could also look at the other choices we have, and there are real advantages if you need to do significant background checks on an individual or multiple individuals to using one of the paid services. Because the ones that are free tend to offer uh, teasers of small amounts of information and then turn around and try to get you to subscribe to find out what you want to find out, cut that out and just go to one of the services that you do have to pay a fee of some kind in order to check out somebody's background.
2: And that review's at Clark.com.
1: Right. I didn't say
2: that? I don't think you did.
1: At Clark.com. And you'll be able to compare that one or review of that one to the other competitors and see who might be best in your situation to do that background check. So one thing I'd like to ask of you is, if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen. It's really key for us, for others, if you believe in what I do, what we're trying to teach, um, that others are reached and know about it. And here's something I want you to, to hear. It was an Apple podcast listener named... Stratolite, I guess is how you say it, who wrote this. Go ahead, Krista, why don't you read Uh, it? Stratolite said,
2: Clark offers practical tips and clever tricks on sharing, spending, and saving money. Each bite-sized episode contains priceless wisdom on trending topics and core principles. The financial talk and investing segments of this informative podcast are relatable and therefore enjoyable. So thank you for leaving that.
1: Yeah, that's very kind of you. And if there's something that you don't like about what we do we want to hear that too directly by going to clark.com slash clark stinks and please let me know where you feel um, i'm off base i'm out of line i'm just not hitting the mark you expect from me and i hope one thing for you that the rest of your day is outstanding